up, everybody? And welcome to another episode of The Roots, Rednecks, and Radicals podcast. Today, we're going to learn something new and interesting in the world of Americana roots and folk music. But before we get to that, I want to say a quick reminder to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And if you're on social media, give me a follow if you haven't already. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Just search up the name of the show and you'll find me there. All right, let's get to today's episode. Today, I talked to Trey Crowder and Corey Ryan Forrester, better known as the liberal redneck comedians or the hicklibs, whatever you want to call them. Uh, Trey's made uh, quite a, a presence on social media, and uh, Corey is, is following in his footsteps, doing hilarious comedy. And the two of them have joined together to write a book about rednecks traveling the United States and the world as well. We had a great conversation about it. They're hilarious. This was super fun and uh, made me want to have more comedians on the show. It was a great time. So here you go. I hope you enjoy it. Fantastic. All right. Well, the new book, it's got this long title, Round Here and Over Yonder, A Front Porch Travel Guide to by Two Progressive Hillbillies. Yes, that's a thing. Um, and I, I have to say, I love long-ass titles to things. I think it's hilarious. Um, <laughs> well, apparently, publishers like do, too. Because yeah. uh, both books we've written, the publisher's been like, oh, that title's got to be way longer. I, I, don't ask me why. They love which, which long is, titles. Which is the only time they try to cut out our verbosity other than that it's like we we say too much but when it comes to the title apparently we always say too little <laughs> that's awesome but i was wondering if you could just tell us a, a little bit why a little bit about why you guys decided to write this book and uh you know kind of what's the what's the main idea behind it um well you know uh to the main reason that we decided to write this book is because they asked us to write a book. You know, that was a, that was the first, that was a jumping off point was like, Hey, would you guys like to write a book? And I, I think both of us speaking for myself at least, but like with the first book, that was like such everything that had just been in us our entire life. You know what I mean? Like that, but it was like, kind of like when a band does their first album, it's like all their best songs that they've thought of for 17 years. And then when it came to a second book, I'm sure that we knocked around our head like, do we do a sequel to that? And then it was like, wait a minute, what's the thing that we are, you know, the most knowledgeable about? And or at least from our perspective, and that's we've traveled a shit ton. Domestically, anyway, right. um, which was sort of part of the idea to like we've been all over, uh, you know, this country multiple times over. And so, like, it's sort of like, yes, like what, you know, what the central idea is, I think it has to do with like um regional stereotypes and finding uh you know things to appreciate about uh every part of this country basically because you know like there's a lot like you know huge swaths this country or flyover country to people on the coast and you know everybody in the northeast is a huge can we cuss on the show or not yeah 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 anyway, it's fine. yeah, yeah every, anyway so everybody in the northeast is a huge asshole you know or whatever <laughs> and like you know that type of thing everybody in the south is a dipshit like all those types of things that we all think about each other. It's sort of like dissecting all of those various kind of like regional stereotypes and realities from our perspective, basically. So it's kind of like ribbing each of the, you know, parts of the country while also like, uh, you know, finding a genuine appreciation for them as well. And then part of the conceit was, but we've never been to, <clears throat> you know, we've never been across the pond. And so like for the book, it also covers our first trip to, uh, England and Scotland, 
sort of the uh, motherland, as it were. We spent three weeks over there and then wrote about that as well. And that's mostly about like, you know, two fat, stupid Americans uh, <laughs> being over there for the first time, you know, and what ensues. Yeah, for sure. I just spent uh, two weeks in Japan with my son, so I felt like a big, fat, stupid American Yeah, <laughs> in Japan. <laughs> how how good are the noodles? I mean, I hear good things. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, ramen yeah. was out of control. It was good. You know what's yeah. crazy? I don't know. Have you guys been to Japan? No. Uh, I really want to go, though. I'm the, a big wrestling fan, so I'm trying to get oh, to Tokyo. Yeah, I wanted to see some. See, I didn't get to see any any wrestling. But um, 7-Elevens are, like, off the hook in Japan. Really? It's the weirdest thing. I don't know if you've heard about it, but yeah, it's like the best food. It's it's uh, it's unbelievable. And oh, you mean in terms of food? Yeah. yeah, like the like yeah. it's like the, those are good restaurants in Japan is Seven Eleven. Yeah, I mean, not, it's not like a sit down restaurant, but it, like if yeah. you just want like you know like a quick easy lunch, like you go get like a noodle dish and, and um, I mean they'll be just like they'll be sushi and they'll be like ramen. There'll be so so many different things you can get there, <laughs> and it's really really good. That's so funny to think about because if you think about it, that's sort of just the Japanese equivalent of what they do here, but you have to realize that in America that instead of sushi and ramen and stuff, it's fucking cheeseburger dogs yeah, and yeah. like chicken tornadoes yeah. and yeah. nacho cheese and old pizza and all like that's all, yeah. you know, like that's a quick, easy lunch for us. Right? Yeah. Sure. Like it's really, it's really not that different. It's just no. that they're less insane than we are. And we yeah. do have gas station sushi, but you're not supposed to eat it. Right. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's crazy. I, it took me a minute because I had a friend who said, go to 7-Eleven and, and uh, you can get something. And I went in, I was like, damn, this looks good. And then like, I mean, it's cheap. It's like really good. It's crazy. Yeah. So if you go. Do they revere it as good over there or is this <laughs> just your fat, stupid American brain going, no, hell, it's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's 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 well respected. Yeah. It's like it's considered like a, a respectable lunch to go to 7-Eleven. Nice. Yeah. And I mean, you get like a big noodle dish and, uh, and, and something to drink for like less than five bucks. It's super cheap. Damn. Well, well now you've convinced me that the sequel needs to uh, this book needs to be in Japan uh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's worth a visit for sure. That's cool. Well, speaking of, of you guys traveling and stuff, how long have you guys been doing shows together and, uh, and, 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 and touring around the country with each other? Since uh, uh, 20, 2016. Um, but now we're like, um, that's when we've been successful. How long we've been successful together. Yeah. Well, that's how long we've been touring around the country together. Well, but we've right. known each other and have been doing shows together, but those shows were pretty limited to like the East Tennessee region or maybe Atlanta since like 2011 ish, 2010, right. 2011. And then starting in 2016, we started touring around the country and wrote the first book and all that type of thing. And then, uh, as of now, you know, Corey got the baby and we're like, uh, we got this book coming out. We have our podcast together and stuff, but I'm, uh, touring solo at present for the most part. And we will still do like group shows every now and then, but yeah, it's, uh, a long and storied friendship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I, I know you guys have uh, Drew on the podcast as well, but is there um, a, like a larger contingency of this kind of, I don't know, like a liberal redneck, I don't know what else to call it, but like this kind of thing where it's more like, like guys like you, is, is it is it pretty small a handful of guys or is there, you know, more of a thing happening? It, do you mean that are, like that are pub? popular or just that yeah. exist? Right. You D mean just in the world? Comedians. Like comedians. do stuff with us. Yeah, do stuff with you guys and whatnot. We call that the extended skew universe, uh, <laughs> but it is pretty... It's pretty small, you know. It's me, Corey, Drew, uh, our buddy DJ, um, Mark, Ag, <clears throat> um, the Indian Outlaw, Tushar Singh, um, 
Who else? Am I leaving? Karma Morales. Karma Morales, yeah. Uh, you know, she's yeah. from Florida. Whole different yeah. breed of, of Southerner. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I will say this. Like, I have noticed, like, not under our particular umbrella, but I have noticed that, like, I, I don't I don't think anyone could argue that at least virally or whatever, Trey was the first of this genre of holy crap, a dude with this accent saying the complete opposite of the talking points. I don't think anyone could argue that Trey was the first. And it's not like there's a ton, but I do see every now and then in my algorithm, like, you know, there will be someone sounding Southern with a hilarious take that is, you know, more liberal or more, you know, uh, progressive. Yeah. So I, I think that like it is becoming more acceptable, you know, I would hope and that uh, it, it's because like, you know, there's part of you that goes, oh, don't do that. That's our thing. But at this, but at the way bigger than that, it's like, no, this is how it should be. Like, we want everyone to know that just because you have this accent doesn't mean that you're lobbying to build a wall around every foreigner in the world. Yeah, I mean, that's why we, you know, as for clarification on the question is because like if you just if you just mean like in the world, that's sort of been our part of our whole thing from the beginning is like, there's what, cause people would be like, Oh, you're like seeing a unicorn or whatever. And we've always been like, no, I mean, there's plenty more of us. I mean, like, uh, it just wasn't a thing people realized for a long time, but I'm talking just like in day-to-day life, just you're like, like in my hometown, the dudes I'm still closest with were guys who are like me. And it, I'm from a really redneck town. And it's, you know, I mean, you know, it's like six of us, but in, from a, graduating class of 50 something you know what i mean like so we're not uh, we're not exactly legion but we're not uh unheard of either i just saw this big twitter thread that this like conservative dude went on about um a couple days ago trying to make sense of <laughs> the presence of like he called them hick libs in yeah. uh in like country music and he was outlining how like you know, if you really start looking into it, I hate to break it this to you guys, but you look into it because it, it started because Tyler Childers put out that video about the two gay coal miners or whatever. He's that's what started him off. But he's like, he's like, there's a very disturbing trend of artists who have you know got liberal sensibilities, and he starts talking about Tyler and Sturgill and Jason Isbell and uh, like I think I don't remember if he mentioned drive by truckers, Casey Musgraves, all these people. Like, and he's like, you know, I don't know what the pro- and this guy's real upset about it. And yeah. he starts talking about he's like, I don't know why they can't be heroes like Jason Aldean. And then he goes <laughs> into this whole thing where he's like, in my opinion, ma- mainstream radio country's far more artistic and imaginative than whatever <laughs> they're doing anyway. Like, just oh insane gosh. stuff. But anyway, like people are starting to realize or catch on i think that it is like a thing because that's the thing dude you get behind the scenes and like those were like in a lot of country music and and stuff like that and you know you find that it's that's actually i would say more of the norm for most of them uh it's just some you know some of them hide it better than others and used to be and in old country used to be the thing. I mean, Merle yeah. Haggard was Willie Nelson, pro union. all those Willie, guys. Johnny, Johnny Cash, Cash was for the working man. Shit. Yeah, Johnny right. Paycheck. paycheck. Like, yep. like, like, dude, if you go back and watch a bunch of interviews that the highwaymen did, you know, Chris Christopherson, Waylon Jennings, Willie Nelson, and Johnny Cash, like, they were like n- not even hiding it. They were on the nose spouting what we would consider liberal talking points and stuff directly at camera and then for some reason everybody just forgot that existed and was like no hell no johnny cash was racist he was awesome you know what i mean like (laughs) i don't get it yeah 
Yeah, I made a TikTok about that. Some guy commented on it. I made a video about Isbel's um, uh, new album, new song, and some guy commented, too woke for me. And then I made a, a TikTok and responded to that comment. And I was just, I just listed them off, you know, Willie and Waylon and Johnny and all these, you know, you're just like, well, when did this happen? You know, it's just crazy. I think that people, I think that it's just that now people are like able to look up lyrics on the internet and stuff. And like used to, you just hear a song on the radio and you wouldn't think much about it. You just hear it with the tune. But I've literally seen people be like, man, it really sucks that Bruce Springsteen has gotten so political. And it's like, <laughs> and, and, and unironically, their favorite song is born in the USA. Maybe like, Back in the day when people heard that stuff, they were just going, born in the U.S., and they didn't, like, read into it. But now mm. with the Internet, everything comes with discourse, so you get to see the, I don't know, but it's fucking crazy. Well, you also find, though, that a lot of those types of people, did, like, with that song in particular, you, you know that there was people who did hear the you know who were like you know going to kill the yeller man like, right. and loving it, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> unironic, like hell yeah, right, right. that's what you, you know, like... Not getting the me- hearing the lyrics, right. not getting the message. Like, yeah. like Rascal we- Flatts famously, like, did you see them cover that song in concert? No, no, they covered it in concert. And when they get to that part, they all are like, "Going to kill the yellow yeah. man!" And the whole crowd what? is like, Wee! "Yeah, right." Oh my yeah, god! Exactly. Yeah, right. it's like, oh, it's, like it's like Hayes, our buddy Hayes Carl, the singer songwriter from Texas. Yeah, he had that song. She left Jesus. me for Jesus, which yeah. is so funny. I always love that song. But he told us he was on our podcast and told us that he had to. He said he stopped doing the whole song. Right? He just stopped yeah. doing that one part. He had that one part. He in stopped the like, whole song for a while. But he had that one lyric in where he's like, you know, I think he might be a communist or, or even worse Wor- yet, a Jew. Right. Yeah. And because uh, he said people were just like. <laughs> Just digging that part way too hard. Yeah, you know, screaming live it. show. Yeah, right. <laughs> Whatever, <laughs> and it was making him uncomfortable because they were not getting the actual song. So it's like an epidemic. That shit's been going on for a long, long time. Um, which is all. It's always been wild to me because I just don't. I don't get how you could be that oblivious. Mm-hmm. But you know, never underestimate uh, Americans' capacity for obliviousness. I guess stupidity. It's crazy. Yeah, my wife's theory is that something changed after 9-11. Uh, you see the music yeah. get a lot more aggressive, and you see Toby Keith doing the thing with the Dixie Chicks, and you see uh, Limp Bizkit, and, and everything just became ragey. And I'm like, yeah, I think there, there was kind of a shift around 9-11. Yeah, I agree. It's not – and coupled with 9-11, George Bush, like, simultaneously brought popularity to the, like um, – people being proud of being uneducated mm. and not, you know, uh, what, what's the phrase for that? The, um, ah, hell there's a, there's a thing, uh, there's a phrase for it, but like people just really, they, they, they see if you're a liberal and you know stuff that's stupid and it's actually better to just be a dumbass, and that's totally fine. Like he made that really popular around the same time. And when you have a bunch of, you know, fear-mongering idiots who aren't scared to be stupid and uh, are also, because of that, kind of terrified of anyone with information, you get people hating Tyler Childers for no reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and people saying Tyler Childers changed. And you're like, what? Right. Right. what are you talking about, man? Like, you see the last couple albums? Like, that's that's just insane to me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, um, speaking of all that, um, I, I love that you kind of opened in the intro. You had a quote from Mark Twain. Um, 
and uh, it was uh, it, I forget the exact quote, but it's travel is fatal to prejudice and bigotry is kind of the um, the, yeah. the summation of it. And um, it, one, a couple of things about Mark Twain. One, it's almost like everywhere claims Mark Twain. Uh, he lived here in my hometown for a bit. The first place I went to get therapy was his. Um, it was an office building that used to be his brother's house, which is weird. Um, nice. But uh, he came out here out west with his brother, and his brother did something with the government out here. But um, but two, um, I just think that he's just like a. Uh, just a fascinating uh, American, fascinating thinker. And I love that quote. One of my favorite quotes of all time. So I was wondering if you could just talk about that quote a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I like that quote is something that I bring up a lot when talking about or to someone from my small town who has never left my right. small town. And I also try usually though to, you know, there's, and me and Trey both know, certain there's some people who don't travel because they're like ain't nothing better than home and there's some people who don't travel because they're broke so mm. i always try to be like well you can't just throw that quote in some person's face who their dad worked at the factory and it closed down because what are they supposed to do but i will say that i think these days with the internet and with how much access we have to books and history books and stuff, you can accomplish a lot of the same thing sitting at your house by just reading about other cultures. And also you can chat on the internet with different people. But like, even if like, even if you're not traveling, like a lot of that quote really hit home for me in that I lived in a small town, drove 15 minutes to Chattanooga, which is not a big place. But I learned so much about other people from just doing comedy because all the different people came to me. You know what I mean? Like being in comedy is sort of like uh, traveling in a micro sense because each night you're going to have there's a black comic, there's a gay comic. We would open for transgender people. So realistically, you could just boil that quote down to, hey, have experiences that aren't, you know, completely just white and your own. And it helps. Yeah, I mean, I can't add too much to what Corey said, but I've always like I had a similar realization about my because my hometown is very similar to his, except there's not a an actual city 15 minutes away. It's more remote. And my wife's hometown is also like that. And like you at a certain point, you realize like, oh, like those places are generally they are very like homogenous, like most people there are kind of all the same thing. They're, they're, there's not and then. And they all so they take it for granted that they're all on the same page about everything. And they're also, generally speaking, often scared of the other things because they don't have any exposure to them and things like that. And if you leave a town like that and move like he's like, I moved to Knoxville after college and whatever and started doing stand up. And like even that you just move to a city and you'll meet, you know, more gay people, Mexican people, you know, whatever, you know, people that also gay hate Mexicans Jesus too. as my gay Mexicans, you know, uh, pretty sure our mayor was a gay Mexican for a while in Knoxville. But uh, you had a and like it just you just start to realize that that's absolutely a huge part of the problem. They never have to, like, confront any of the, uh, you know, inaccuracies of the stereotypes that they hold or whatever, because they're never they're just never faced with any other form of reality or whatever. It's, it's and you also, just realize that like, that you, and when you are, you're, you can't help but notice like, Oh, 
this place, these people, this thing, it right. ain't so bad. You know, right. what I mean? like every single time it's like that. It's like, this ain't so bad, you know, but they never have that. This ain't so bad experience. Ever. It's also it's also the reason that they think sending their kid to college is going to make them a communist. Like yeah. when uh, literally all it is, your kid 100 percent. Well, not 100 percent, but your kid is likely to come home being a more open minded person because for the first time in their life, they have had to hang around with different people. It's not like they're like all of their fucking whatever liberalism comes from a professor shoving it down their throat. It's literally just that they're hearing other people talk and hearing about their life experiences for the first time. So like, I, I just don't see how you don't put two and two together on that, but they don't. Yeah. Now that's why in my college experience, I had one professor who he was a sociology professor and, and he taught us taught like, pretty hardcore about Marxist theory and, and that kind of stuff. It was, it was one out of four years, one teacher. And the rest of it was just right. like biology and stuff. You know, it was just like reading books and whatnot. And, and it was like that, that argument is just, I don't know. It just, it's such a cheap argument about like the, I mean, I remember I went to school in Cookville, Tennessee and like, I had two experiences come to mind on either end of the spectrum, but it was definitely not like liberal propaganda at a Cal college in middle Tennessee. Like I, my political science professor was like, she was absolute. She tried to be even handed still. I'll give her like credit for that. But like, she was absolutely a like super pro-life conservative white woman, mm. you know, who was like our political science professor, not some liberal commie. And then uh, like, I remember my history professor, he told us like it, it's funny to me in retrospect like when we were get we were like about to talk about the civil war right mm -hmm. and he like had to break the news to the class that the civil war was in fact about slavery you know what i mean like the way he like presented they was like listen guys i don't want you to get upset <laughs> okay i don't you know i know this could be hard for some of you to hear all right but i have to the reality is you know the civil war was about slavery or whatever so like he mm -hmm. was on you know uh, the the right side of it, but still was like handling it with kid gloves or whatever because he's in Cookville, Tennessee. So, yeah. yeah, it's not the way. And I mean, you know, I'm sure if you're at fucking Berkeley or something, but <laughs> yeah, even there, even at Berkeley, I bet they got, you know, the Berkeley Young Republicans and shit if you're into that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that I think his name's Scott Miller, one of Trump's main guys. That he's a younger dude, like in his twenties or thirties. He, he's an LA guy. I have a friend who went to high school with him. So, mm -hmm. yeah, even even liberal states produce guys like that sometimes. Was oh, he the yeah. one that looked like Voldemort? Yeah, yeah, bald head, okay. real talks real creepy, like a real yeah. intel. Yeah, he's a weird dude. Um, yeah, yeah, it's all interesting stuff, and and I just I don't know. Uh, yeah, I, I think education is always always the answer when it comes to stuff like that. And yeah. and also, you know, you don't have to go to college to be educated. You know, I think what you're talking about about reading books, and even if you're in a Before small town, in, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, for sure, I didn't go to college, <laughs> so that is a pretty sore subject for me. But like, yeah, you especially this day and age. Like, I mean, obviously, like I understand that there are some jobs that you have to have a degree. You need the degree in order to get, but you can also get the information without getting the degree. Mm. Like I'm taking a, a college writing course right now. You can download the PDFs and stuff like that. Or if you're just doing it, you can like, you can learn about other places, not in a studious way. Like you just read, dude, just read stories from other places. You know what I mean? Like just pick up a book on Africa. You know what I mean? Like you, yeah. it's like learning is fun. You know, I understand taking tests ain't fun, but like, it's just really, I mean, hell, watch a fucking movie. You know what I mean? Like, just watch black people in movies that by movies that they made. Like, it's just, 
I don't know, man. It just the it, ignorance. Ignorance is one thing, but like a lot of these people are just so willfully ignorant. They're like, I'm oh, not. Yeah. I don't even. And, and that's what bothers me. Like, dude, being ignorant is like like there are a lot of people who just now found out that some people uh, don't identify as uh, a man or a woman. It's fine to have not known that. That's very new. But mm-hmm. then, like the willful ignorance of like I'm not even. I don't even want to know what it is about the, I don't want to know any of the facts. I just want to hate, you know, like mm-hmm. willful ignor- ignorance is just so rampant, rampant. Yeah. It is. Unfortunately, it's the worst. So, um, you guys talk about, um, also in the beginning of the book, your, your, your two hometowns of, uh, Salina and, uh, Chickamauga. Is that how you say it? That's it. Mm-hmm. Okay. I just want to make sure I was pronouncing that right. I, when you're talking about civil war battlefields, I was like, that's where I know that name from, from yeah. reading history about it. Uh, but I was, I was interested in what, you know, uh, small towns are so similar, but there are differences um, regionally and whatnot. Uh, what were some of the differences in your guys' experiences growing up in, in, in small towns? Oh, I've said for years. And if Drew was here, he, me and him have like marveled over the years. Like, it, like when Corey talks about his hometown, oftentimes I'm like, like I'm like, what? Like it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a wild. Pl- and I think it's the Civil War element. I think it's for two sure. things. Two things we've discovered over the years. I think that make the difference between Chickamauga and Salina because they're very, very different places, despite being also you know similar in a lot of ways. I think there's the civil war element of it and like the added level of like confederateness or whatever. And then uh, there's its proximity to an actual city, which means there's like money and shit around there. Like my whole, my whole, it's not just my town. My town is equidistant between Nashville, Knoxville, Chattanooga and Lexington, Kentucky. They're all like two hours away. It's the literal Mm. middle of nowhere. It's like economically desolate like there's nothing there so like nobody's got money nobody's got shit you know and uh it and that makes a difference so you find like you know people like i don't know there's people in Corey's town that uh are like um like golf course racists yeah (laughs) we're all all alive it's just like you know yeah, barn party, coal miner, racist, coal yeah. miner, yeah, right, yeah, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. So like, it's uh, it's different. I don't know. That's definitely no. That's definitely a hundred percent true. Because like Chickamauga is literally a city that is like there's a there's a other side of the tracks. You know what I mean? Like uh-huh. it's split down the middle, and 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 not even necessarily split completely geographically. But like, what I'm saying is like you will have a bunch of trailers right here and then right beside it is someone who's like got old chick-fil-a money you know what i mean mm-hmm. and like there were there are plenty of people in my hometown who were completely reliant on the mill and when the mill closed it ruined so many things but then also there's people in the town that like well i work in chattanooga whereas like with trey they're in a place where there ain't nothing else to go mm-hmm. so like it was almost like you could like you know, you remember in um, uh, the Departed where Mark Wahlberg's getting on Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like, "Oh yeah, you're two different people." You know, on the weekends you're over in Southie dropping your R's or whatever. That was kind of what it felt like to be me when I was a kid because mm-hmm. I had friends from both types of backgrounds, and some of my family were one background and some of the other. So like, there would be, you know, you could go from having a uh, Charleston Southern's, uh, you know, low country bowl that type of evening. And the next day, you're literally in the mud shooting old firecrackers and stuff. Uh, you know what I mean? Like right. it, it's a it's a wild place. 
Yeah, it's pretty weird. More like the like landed, like old money kind of a thing yeah. with people with property and land and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. It, it, and Trey, in your town, it's it's weird to me. I, I, in Nevada, we got a lot of towns like that. They're just, you, you drive for, you know, 50, 60 miles and then there's, boom, there's a town. And I'm always like, I don't even know what people do here, you know, like other than working at the Dollar General or at the gas station. Pails, like, yeah. It's yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, a lot of people. Now, I mean. Pails and males. There, and I write about this in the book. I've talked about this a lot. The Salina was there. There was one big factory, a clothing factory, Oshkosh Bagosh, that was there. Well, okay. Well, first of all, in terms of like, why does this town even exist? So, like, before that, like, when people, when rivers were still important, right? When rivers were a big, <laughs> big thing for commerce in America, right? right. Like, Salina was a boom town because the Cumberland and Obie rivers go right through there. Oh, okay. So, there was like a college there, Montvale Academy, and all this shit. And, um, but, you know, River, you know, the, the, the river world wasn't meant to last. And as soon as, you know, big train came in and then later big, bigger road, mm-hmm. uh, we, uh, that sort of took us out. But that's sort of the origin of why the town is there. Uh, and it had fallen off, but was kept at a certain level of economic stability by the presence of this textile factory for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And then in the nineties, it left and that just destroyed everything. And again, and it's always like, I say in the book, I say, and it's true, like the, you know, the factory left forever and the pills showed up for good at pretty mm-hmm. much the same time. And that combination just absolutely, I mean, destroyed my hometown. Yeah. <laughs> and 25 years later, it's, you know, it ain't no better, really. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still reeling. Um, and when it but, comes to yeah. pills, we're actually pretty identical town wise. That's, uh, that's one thing in which we're not at all different. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was meth out here for a while, and then the pills started coming in. Oh, we had oh, meth, we, yeah, we had meth too. Yeah, oh, for sure. Rest in peace, <laughs> Uncle Bubbles but, and um, Uncle Jordan. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. All right. Well, I was just uh, yeah, just kind of interested in that. Thanks for the the breakdown on those things. Now the book is broken down into um, uh, three parts. You got round here, which is the south, and then over yonder, which is the rest of America, and then yonder yonder, which is across the pond uh, in the in the UK and whatnot. Um, but uh, I, I liked how you, you broke all that down. But the story from is it is it Helen, Georgia? Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That that fuck that story was. I was just laughing out loud. That shit was hilarious. Um, that <laughs> thank you German Mardi Gras. I've never even heard of yeah. anything like that. And then. And also your wife is a teacher and um, uh, hit home with me. I'm a teacher as well. I teach AP psych and, um, and uh, us history. And so um, the, the teachers drinking and sharing all these stories I thought was, was pretty goddamn hilarious. So I was wondering if you could uh, talk about that story just a little bit. Yeah, for sure. And I really appreciate that. Uh, that's definitely the hardest I laughed whilst writing anything for the book. And Helen was actually the only, aside from the UK, of course, it was the only American town that I visited purely for this book. Like I went to the other ones, but I'd been there before. Mm-hmm. But when we were writing about, they wanted an obscure town in Georgia. And like, I mean, I knew some, but it, they were all pretty much the same. But I'd heard about Helen my whole life and how wild it was. And I was like, okay, baby, I'm buying us a room for the weekend. We're going. And yeah, to have all that stuff happen was just so serendipitous. Like within 24 uh, hell, 24 minutes of being there, I was like, you have made the complete right decision to be here. <laughs> it was, it, you know, because, like, and I, I know I said this, I think one of the lines in the book was, uh, it was, Helen is like uh, Gatlinburg if Hitler was the mayor. 
Uh, and, and it's so true, man. Like it is so like, it is the craziest, like I've never been to Germany. So I have to assume anybody actually from Germany would go to Helen and be like, you know, however, Jesus Christ, you know, like this ain't it, but like, it's, it's just, you know, schnitzels everywhere. There's freaking clogs. There's, you know, all sorts of different types of beer, but then you've got the same people that would be in Gatlinburg getting their, you know, swastika airbrush t-shirts or whatever it is that they, (laughs) whatever it is that they do there. And uh, it was just, it was just crazy to like see like in Gatlinburg, it's a bunch of trash people, but the culture is also Tennessee trash, but this is trash trying to emulate a completely different country's culture. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Which is just, I mean, which is just a, a, a boatload of fun. I could not suggest more highly that you go to Helen, Georgia, if you ever have a chance. And for the record, the food was, uh, the food was amazing. Like was I'm a big German food guy, but it was all done really well. Nice. Yeah. I'm a fan of schnitzel. I like it. I got a lot of German in my background. And so, yeah, it's good I love stuff. That. That's good. Well, the uh, the other story I like too from the south, um, Trey. You talked about going to Muscle Shoals, and um, that um, that town, that whole region is just so interesting because you have all the the music stuff, you know, and yeah. um, and then but but musically, what's happening currently with, with with Isabel and the Truckers and all that huge ties to that area, Patterson's Hood, Dad playing right. bass, you know, and and uh, Isabel growing up, right, you know, right in, right near that town, um, and uh, yeah, I just love the, the the story of your wife growing up in that area, and uh, and just all the the, the music history that you, you fit in in a pretty small um uh, it, just a couple paragraphs but yeah, i was wondering if you could just talk about that um that experience in that town and whatnot well i just and i talk about this in the book too and, and i i say in the book like maybe this is totally just a me thing i didn't know like i my dad was a big rock guy and like knew the shit like you know he'd been to see everybody and read all the books and stuff like he was real real studied unlike rock history and so like I'd heard about Muscle Shoals like my whole life. And for whatever reason, to me, Muscle Shoals, Alabama, I always just thought or assumed it was on like the coast of Alabama. Like me to too, me, buddy. that sounds watery, you know, like Muscle yeah. Shoals. Like I thought, and, and Alabama has a coast. So I just assumed it was down there around Mobile or whatever. And it never really looked, and I knew the story with it, you know, the Stones record there, all these great artists and all this stuff. But anyway, I just always assumed it was on the water side of Alabama. Then I married this woman who's from Southwest Tennessee on the Alabama line. And, uh, and I'm her, where she's from and that part of Alabama, it's very similar to where I grew up, like, you know, pretty economically desolate, whatever. And like they would the big town they would drive to to go school clothes shopping or to see a movie or whatever was Florence, Alabama. And I thought and I had been to Florence and I was like, oh, this is just like Cookville, Tennessee, where I went to college. Right. And it's like which is to say not a super noteworthy place. It's where it's where all the rednecks from the surrounding areas go to the mall at or whatever. Like that's really all it's known for. Right. And it's got a small cow college. There's nothing really special about it. So I was like, I know, I know this whole world. I get what all this is like. Like, this is very similar to me. This is just like in Alabama, right? And then one day we were at like a Walmart in Florence or something, and I saw this road sign that said Muscle Shoals eight miles or something like that. 
And it, I, I was like, what? I flipped out. I was like, that's not. And I was like sitting in the car, like with her uncle and dad or something, you know, the, we're just waiting on the women to get done shopping at Christmas time or whatever. Just classic <laughs> Southern shit. The three dudes sitting in, like not speaking to each other at all, yeah. by the way, like 15 minutes, just enjoying silence. the silence, right? Like no one's even considering talking to each other. But then I was like, I was like, that's not right. Is it? And they're like, what are you talking about? And I was like, muscle shows. And they're like, yeah, what about it? You know? And I was like, Muscle Shoals is here, and they were like, "What do you? Why you want to go to Muscle Shoals for?" And I was like, <laughs> they were like, "Ain't shit in Muscle Shoals." Like, it's like you know, Muscle Shoals is trash or whatever. And I was like, I was like, "That's fucking what's weird?" No, like that's like the like I said to Rolling Stones, the Muscle Shoals sound all this shit. And I was like, "You don't know about the musical part?" And they're like, "Oh right, yeah, yeah, they got that." But <laughs> but. Why would you make a trip for that? <laughs> you know, they were right. like, they just like looked at Muscle Shoals as like a a smaller, shittier town outside of the town that's actually worth something to them. That's crazy. Florence, because again, you can you know buy school supplies there or whatever. <laughs> Which is like, I know, I know this analogy doesn't make sense to anybody else because you'd have to be from the Upper Cumberland and Middle Tennessee to get it. But it's like. It would be like if there was a world-class recording studio that was like world famous right outside of, you know, where I went to college at in Cookville in like Sparta, Tennessee or something, which is otherwise not noteworthy at all. And that, and like that would be insane for that to right. be a thing. But it is a thing yeah. in that part of uh, of Alabama, which I think is super fascinating and, and wild, you know, and you know, uh, underappreciated. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, that's also the deal with Lukenbach, isn't it? Like what? Luke Lukenbach, Texas, Texas. You know, yeah. I don't like. I don't know. Like it's otherwise pretty much that, except for yeah. Willie and them recorded some shit there. I just never put those two together. But like, yeah, that it 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 almost makes Muscle Shoals more insane that it's that. It you know, absolutely like makes without it more question that it's that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Jerry Jeff Walker has connections to uh, Lukenbach, Texas, as that's well. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's crazy. There's a bunch of little small towns. Like, I guess Bisbee, Arizona is, is kind of like that as well. It's a, um, there's also yeah. Marfa, Texas, which is this like tiny yeah. little no, not, and, but there's like a ton of artists who go out there and right. um, yeah. write and record and stuff. And it's, it's just kind of wild. And I, I appreciate that. Bisbee like, is where, that's where Stanhope Stan lives. lives. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Doug yeah, Doug Stanhope Stan lives in Bisbee. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, that's cool. That's also, I believe, where they were trying to escape to from the murder worms and tremors. Um, ah. I believe you were correct. Movie trim, yes. That sounds right. They're the, trying to get out of Perfection Valley and make it to Bisbee. Uh, that was the whole goal of that movie. One of the best B movies of all time, by the way. Just rewatched it with my sons. They loved it. Anyway. It's great. I here no, yeah. As a Nevadan, I'm a fan. I like that movie. Just the desert and whatnot. Oh, it's dude. That movie rules. It's, it's all, so completely holds up. Uh, in every way if you had to like pick like uh, a pop culture thing that that like shows like rural nevadans it's tremors that's like that's what rural really? about it that's it's well, not all right it's exactly well, you guys it. hit for me then <laughs> there's some there's some weird stuff out here a lot of weird guns and whatnot well that's interesting yeah i like uh i like all the muscle shoal stuff that, that is crazy I, I, that, I was gonna say too about the rolling stones that's uh, as far as rock history goes, that's got to be one of the most wild stories in the history of rock music is like the Rolling Stones in that tiny little recording studio in that uh -huh. tiny little town, just like no one around really knowing what's happening. Right. And they're recorded some of the, the hits that like, you know, like Brown Sugar, I think was recorded there. Like, uh, yep. You know, it's like so crazy that that happened there.
Well, that's what I've heard before. Is like that's why a lot of artists like liked coming there and stuff is because like the fucking the rednecks around there and shit didn't know who they were or give yeah. a fuck or whatever, <laughs> and they kind of liked that, and that was part yeah. of like the appeal or whatever, which is yeah, you know, pretty wild. Yeah. But also, I mean, you know, I guess sort of makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, a whole other part of the country that you guys talk about is Portland. And uh, I got a bunch of friends up in Portland. Um, I just spent a, a week up there camping on the coast in Oregon um, last week. Just got back from there. So um, I loved all the uh, I, I liked how you guys talked about it. It, it was like it, you talked about the weirdness of it, but um, but also like kind of celebrating that, that like that people are OK with you being yourself. And that that's that's kind of a cool thing. They got the whole Antifa kind of thing going on. But like um, there's this general sense of like acceptance. And uh, I thought that was a cool thing. What's your connection to Portland? Just playing shows there, spending time, you know? Yeah, what, but but it's also like it's one of the cities that like we go back to pretty much every year and there's a club there helium in portland comedy club that's like one of our favorite clubs and the shows are always like packed for the whole weekend and it's just like it's just like one of the best cities for us in terms of doing stand-up and has been for the past like seven years removing of course the covid years but like so mm. over that many repeat trips and everything uh it's just you know developed a sort of a major affinity for portland um and the people there yeah the food's incredible too great yeah food they're there. great yeah, weirdos I love portland. yeah i love places that are like we know we're weird you're either with it or you're not i don't know what to tell you but like portland's one of those places like you know probably like chicago i guess that like gets a really bad fox news rap you know, that doesn't like, obviously there's bad shit everywhere, but like, I think a lot of it's wholly undeserved. Like it was really funny. We took my dad to Portland one time, like he came on the road with us mm -hmm. and like he 100% thought like, everywhere we were walking, he thought he was about to get hit in the head with a can of soap. Like he just 100% thought that an Antifa protest was about to break out. You know what I mean? And it was like, it's just right. so funny watching a normally proud redneck man be scared of hippies. Like the, right. the tide has turned so much. You know what I mean? Like yeah. these two hippies ran around scared of people like my dad and now complete opposite. Yeah. Exactly. And that's the thing. And I, I we cover that in the book. And I also, I have a bit in my stand-up act I'm doing on stage about that hall. Cause it's so funny to me too, that, I, that like they're, it's just an interesting combination of stereotypes that, you know, people like small town rednecks or whatever have for Portland because, like, they make fun of them for being little, you know, emaciated baristas with a handlebar mustache and, you know, like limp wristed soy boys, or whatever. Mm -hmm. But they are also completely terrified of them at the right. same time. They're like also Antifa socialist super commandos or whatever who right. are like secretly infiltrating small town America and turning everybody gay and all this stuff. And it's like, <laughs> it's just a hilarious, which one is it? A hilarious dichotomy, yeah. you know, to me for, for, to hold in your heart for the same people in the same place. Yeah. But they, you know, they do though. That's, it's weird. You brought this up in the book too, that there was this like this rumor that Antifa was coming to towns to like burn them down. Yeah. And that's crazy that happened in, in your neck of the woods too, because that happened here. People, it was Oakland for me because I'm proximity to the Bay Area. And, and all the like, all the like dipshits around here were like, like, oh yeah, uh, Oakland Antifa, they're going to send people here and they're going to burn down Minden. And I'm like, what the fuck are you? Why would the fuck would they send a bus of Antifa to go fucking right. burn down Minden? No one gives a fuck Minden. about it. No. Exactly. Well, that's the, that, you say, you know, it happened where we live. I, there was a period of time where that was happening everywhere, which is sort of what, you know, I was talking about, made one of my like rant videos about it. I talk about that on stage too. And I feel like it came up again recently 
with that fucking Jason Haldane song. Yeah. Try that. Uh, when yeah. you look at the video or whatever, that's sort of what that's about yeah. is them being like, hey, you think you're going to come here and do all that here? And I'm, I talked about that on stage and put a video out about that. Uh, you know, Mike was just like, the idea that th- that those protesters, like that they'd be at their super secret meetings or whatever and be like, listen, we know that the media's eyes are all on like Portland and L.A. <laughs> or whatever, but you know where we could really have the most impact from our message? <laughs> Buck Snort, Tennessee. That's where we need. That's where we should go. That's where we should focus our efforts is Buck Snort, Tennessee. It's like, it just makes no sense, the whole thing. Um, Dude, but, not know. that not that long ago, there was a bunch of sirens and shit like go, popping off downtown where where I live, and uh, everybody like in a, in a town like mine, if something happens and someone sees it, they text somebody. That person text, and by the end of it, all fifteen hundred people in the town have received some sort of text, and it's all playing a game of telephone. I heard this. I heard this. Well, dude, people around here were convinced that. The Black Lives Matters protesters had gone down to the school and were looting and rioting. And it turns out uh, that someone had just wrecked into a pole. And like, was, was black? It, or no, like they a were, white no, person not, with dreadlocks or something? Not even, no, not, not even that. Like someone literally just saw sirens and their first thought was, Black Lives Matter is here. Yeah. Like that yeah, was, the they fuck. didn't need any more evidence. And it was just like, no, a lady hit a pole with a car and so the fire truck was there but they were all but talking shotguns and shit this is it (laughs) well no actually it's funny that you say that because everybody was acting like that but nobody did shit nobody fucking went down there did anything you know what i mean in their mind someone tried that in a small town and they didn't do shit right they just texted each other about it turned the scanner on or whatever yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's craziness yeah yeah, I don't know what the deal is with that shit, but yeah, Portland's cool. I love it, and um, yeah, I'm glad that you included it. But I had noticed that uh, Nevada didn't make the book, and uh, you'd mentioned that you'd been to Vegas before, but um, and, and that you hadn't played in Reno or anything like that. But I mean, is, is have you guys just driven through Nevada? You haven't spent too much time uh, in in Nevada. I've, I've, if I'm not mistaken, I've only again I've been to Vegas like probably four or five times, but it's only and I know I know I, well. I mean, I assume that surely. Vegas is not really representative of the whole right. of Nevada, I would imagine. Cause no. like, and like, um, yeah, you know, we just couldn't cover like literally everywhere in the book. And Corey right. sort of alluded to it earlier. We're, you know, hoping to be able to like write some more of these in the future and get to some other places. But yeah, I just, Corey, have you been anywhere else in Nevada besides Vegas? I have, but I don't remember where it was. And all I know is, oh, shit, I don't know if I ever told you this story. Uh, me and my buddy, Jesse, we were yeah. actually on our way to Vegas and we were in, we were passing through, we pull off to the side of this road and there's like this gift shop, this like Native American gift shop type situation. And we're sitting there talking with them. We're trying to sell our own CDs to get gas and stuff. And we ended up, uh, talk, this, this Native American lady was like, my husband, if you drive down here and you just go on this dirt road or whatever, you'll come up on our settlement or whatever. And so we do. And there's, uh, you know, some Native Americans or whatever hanging out in like blue jeans and cowboy hats and stuff. And uh, we we wanted to like trade. I forgot what we wanted to trade with them for something. And Jesse, Jesse had a really nice. Wampum? Uh, yeah, Jesse had a <laughs> really nice. Jesse had a really nice bull rope and a belt buckle that he'd made. And he traded it to them for some horsehair pottery for his mom. Uh, do you know what horsehair pottery is? No. 
So it's like you make pottery, and then while the ceramic on the outside is still wet, you grab the, a horse by the tail and throw the 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 hair on it, and it just kind of spreads out. Huh. And like sort of like reading tea leaves or whatever, the horse hair is supposed to make like a vision or huh. whatever. So we got one of those and like five bucks for gas, and we smoked weed with them. But I don't know where in Nevada we were. Huh. So yeah. Well, shit. That's a good Nevada story. I've never yeah, done yeah. anything like that. Well, uh, well, yeah. Hopefully, you make it down. Uh, Re- Reno's great, and uh, we're near Lake Tahoe. It's beautiful up here. It's in the Sierras. So uh, yeah, we've definitely got like in my mind. There's the list of like if we were to do this book again, we could still definitely do part of it in America and just hit the cities mm-hmm. that we didn't talk about. Mm-hmm. And I think you know, obviously, Reno and Vegas almost felt like. What the fuck are we going to write about Vegas that mm-hmm. hadn't already been said about Vegas? You know what I mean? Yeah, but like yeah. Reno, I think would be super fun. Yeah. Yeah. It has more of a, it's like the trashy version of, of Vegas, you know, it has yeah. that more of a vibe That's to it. Up. Which is crazy because Vegas is the trashy yeah. version, version of Vegas. <laughs> Depending on your experience there, where you go. Well, one, I, one, I will say one of my absolute favorite restaurants in this whole country is in Vegas. Uh, it's off it. Uh, herbs, rye, and, herbs and rye herbs and rye hmm. Our, we got that. we got a chef buddy in vegas and he took us there and said that it's where all the like restaurant workers in vegas go okay. when they're not working yeah. and they've got like a meat happy hour mm-hmm. late night which suits us great you never see shit like that so it's so like because we don't eat before shows we only eat after shows so like when we have shows in vegas after the show it's midnight time to eat something normally that means some gas station bullshit usually but in vegas you can go to this restaurant and get a half off ribeye at midnight or whatever i I love that place that's like uh that place is absolutely top notch um so yeah i also you know i I mean i'm a bit of a gambling man i don't have a problem but i like the tables i like blackjack and things of that nature so uh but i i exhaust myself on vegas pretty quickly every which i know is a very common uh experience but i i mean yeah couple of couple of days in vegas and i'm more than good and ready to go usually yeah yeah as a guy who grew up around casinos and shit like it's not super appealing to me like i've been to vegas a number of times i'm like i don't know why the fuck people come here man it's it just seems weird and boring to me but i i I get it i get it i wouldn't call it boring no no yeah, <laughs> <laughs> not boy. Just, just yeah, uh, no, kind of overdone. But um, Mama Fuku is another restaurant I want to visit in Vegas. Um, David Chang is a, a chef I really like, and uh, he's got a, a restaurant he just opened up in Vegas. So I definitely want to check out like Asian time. fusion shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's nice. Korean, and uh, yeah, it looks it looks pretty interesting. For sure, I'm for that. All right. Well, um, the the last part of the book is across the pond and talks about England and Scotland. And um, I was, I, it's kind of on my list to go to um, Ireland and 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 kind of that whole region. But I'm just kind of interested if uh, if a person was going to go visit um, one time, what, what what's the best place to uh, to visit in England and Scotland? You, mm. Like one in each, or you mean pick one place between those two countries? Yeah, only. just pick one place. Oh man. Uh, that's really, really, really hard, uh, in my opinion. Because I mean, if you're a city person, if you love metropoli, you know, London rules. So I'm about hard. to say, I think London is, uh, you okay. know, like to me, we talk about in the book, like there's all these, like there's these organizations and stuff that like rank global cities on like a prestige, like B cities and A cities and triple A cities, whatever. And the very, very highest tier, uh, there's only two cities in it and it's New York city and London. And I feel like if you go to London, you can, you know, see why it's 
pretty awesome and they've got everything there everything anybody could want and and like new New york's like the only damn city in this country that's got capable public transportation london has that too so you can get around Mm -hmm. all of it very easily if you're uh if you're less of a city person though um may i Inverness is lovely yeah, in the Scottish Highlands. That's mm. where Loch Ness is. <laughs> okay. That's where Nessie resides. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like breath. The whole Scottish Highlands are, we talk about this in the book too, uh, but like the Scottish Highlands like reminded me quite a bit of like Appalachia, of like uh, mm. East Tennessee. And turns out, and we didn't know this when we went over there and then found out. But ge- geologically speaking, they're actually they were originally part of the same uh, mountain range in uh, back oh. in the Pangaea days before okay. the continent split apart. Uh, the Scottish Highlands and the Appalachian Mountains were like part of the same thing, hmm. and it's wild. You know that was eons ago. But yeah. I swear to God, you go there like we went there. We were going to Scotland after being in England, and I fell asleep on the train, and we're like. I woke up as we're in the Scottish Highlands, and it was like waking up in East Tennessee or something. Like, I mm-hmm. couldn't tell the difference, just like looking out the train window or whatever. So, it, uh, you know, it swelled the cockles of my cold, dead heart and whatnot. And, um, yeah, if you're if you're yeah. more if you look and sound like me and Trey and you're more of the redneck persuasion and that's the trip you're trying to take. Mm-hmm. You got to go Scottish Highlands for yeah. sure, <laughs> but you know there's there's goods. Well, I would I was gonna say there's goods and bads of both. I didn't experience any bads. You know, mm-hmm. it was great. Like if you want to be out in the country but not rednecky, go to the Cotswolds. You know, that's like yeah, the English you, countryside, yeah, which is yeah. very yeah, it's very you know. It's very lovely, very like yeah. it's like a masterpiece theater type of countryside. Mm-hmm. You know, yes. Like, if you want to take yeah. a more Ina Garten a UK trip, yeah. then the Cotswolds is your place. But like, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> dude, if you're someone who likes New York, London is going to be your shit. Mm-hmm. And maybe it was just because I've been to New York several times. Because but till the new had like worn off a little bit. But like, I don't know, I kind of liked it better. Like it was sweet, you know, just because it was different and mm-hmm. the food. Boy, you know, I, we talk about this in the book. It's not the them doing the food really, but like they got some wonderful Indian food if you're into that. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And like, if you're, as far as like sight, one thing I didn't realize, perhaps uh, pretty ignorantly, I just never really thought about it. But as far as like sightseeing goes, all the stuff, pretty much all the things you think of when you think of London, like in terms of the sites, they're actually all like right there together. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they are. By the Thames in central London. So you can knock all <laughs> that shit out in like an afternoon or whatever and then just, you know, get into. All the other stuff the city has to offer, but like the eye, big band, parliament, all that stuff. It's like at the Tower of London. It's like all right there, like mm-hmm. located yeah. together. So that makes it London Bridge, the Tower yeah. Bridge. We sort of, of decided that London was like New York and Washington, D.C. put together mm-hmm. because of that. You know what I mean? Like sense. it's it's very New Yorky and it's it's mass or whatever, but like it's all that's where their politics are. Mm-hmm. So it's it's yeah. But it, it betrays right. Like we accidentally saw some shit that was on our to see list while we were just walking like, oh, well, there that is. <laughs> is that a big old Ferris wheel thing? I don't know what that's called. Is that is that the in that same area? That's, that's, the eye. that's the what eye. I was talking okay. about. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it's right. It's right there. Like you go down the aisle, you get on a boat that takes you up and down the Thames, and you'll mm. see pretty much all of it on that the boat. The eye's right in there. front of Parliament, isn't it? Yeah, it's all like that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's all like yeah. right there. You like stand at the like, eye, look across the Thames and see Big Ben and all that shit, and way yeah. down that way the other way is the Tower Bridge and all this stuff and 
And yeah, we literally they have these boat rides that take you up and down the Thames that point out all uh, the the original Globe Theater or whatever where Shakespeare's shit was at. That's on the the side of the Thames uh, hmm. in that same. I mean, you know, it's pretty cool. Like I said, you like it's very efficient in terms <laughs> yeah. of sightseeing. You know, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it's on my list to go for sure. I definitely want to go to London someday. All right. Well, um, book's great. It's hilarious. I mean, I was not a lot of books I read. And I, I literally laugh out loud and I have to put the book down for a second and kind of. Well, thank you. Recover. That, that right there was like the we were really hope, hopefully hanging our hat on that because we're comedians, you know, and it's mm-hmm. like so many books are written and it's like Darth because we agree with you. It's like it's rare to read a book that actually makes you laugh out loud. And we were like, if we can act, get that to happen multiple times throughout the book then that will be we that win. can be the thing that kind of yeah sets us apart as far as that goes so we appreciate you saying that yeah no it's hilarious i loved it my wife came out uh, while i was uh, reading it over the weekend and she's like what the hell are you laughing at yeah. <laughs> i'm laughing <laughs> Man, this book. that's awesome because we know <laughs> yeah. that we got a lot of things wrong but at least we made people laugh <laughs> yeah. you that's know all, that's all that matters all right. Well, um, as far as uh, touring and all that kind of stuff goes, uh, what, what, what's coming up for you guys in the next couple of months? Um, and also, are you gonna are you gonna be touring in support of the book? I don't know. It's weird being a comedian and author. Like, how how are you guys getting out there to kind of promote what's going on with it and whatnot? Well, like I said, I'm doing solo dates right now, and I I I was going to be doing those anyway, but I will now be like. I guess it's in support of the book. Like I'm the plan is that I'll have books for sale at those shows and stuff. But it's like you said, it is weird, but like, cause I, w- I would have been doing those shows, whether or not we had a book coming out, right. but since there is a book coming out, it's like, yeah, I'll be out this there. This is the book tour. This is the, yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, so yeah. Um, and you, you can go to Trey Crowder.com, T-R-A-E Crowder.com to see all those uh, dates and stuff. That's also, uh, there's, uh, there is a pre-order link for the book on, on that website too. Okay. Um, so Yeah. Right. Yeah, and as as for me, I will be announcing some fall dates in support of the book, and mainly though in support of my stand up act. Uh, and you can get uh, you can see all that if you go to CoreyRyanForrester dot com or uh, keep up with everything I'm doing. Uh, you can subscribe to my newsletter at parttimefunnyman dot com. Uh, I write over there. I have I will be putting up some stuff that unfortunately we had to cut from the book just for length. Uh, I've got a whole essay on uh, the Queen's Jubilee that was too long for the book that I'm about to be putting up. It's parttimefunnyman.com. I post my dates and everything over there, too. All right. Cool, cool. Well, hey, guys, I appreciate you connecting with me. Uh, it was fun chatting with you. The book's amazing. And, uh, yeah, I wish you the best of luck with it. Thank you very much. Thanks for having us. Yeah, I appreciate you having us. And sorry I was late. They That's don't right. know that, but now they do. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good, man. All, all right. good. All right, guys, have See a good you, day. Brother. You do. Thanks, man. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder to follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Like and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this. Leave a rating and tell a friend. Also, big thanks to Charlie Marks for providing the music for the show. Until next time, everybody. Have a good one.